welcome to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. We are back this week to honor mamas, bio moms, step moms, foster moms, adoptive moms, spiritual moms, you name it. And this episode wraps up this series of honoring and encouraging moms. Of course, we will always want to continue to do that as well. But here with me today to discuss how to create bonding moments for adoptive moms is Jenny Elwood and Robin Gerblitt. Now, Jenny is a lover of Jesus, wife to Tom, mother of three, one biological son and two adopted girls, and a bonus mom and grandma. She enjoys equipping women with study tools to better understand the time, place, and cultures of the Bible. Some of her favorite things are chocolate, the color orange, traveling, and strong coffee. I'm with you on that one, Jen. Robin (laughs) is motivated to share her love of God, fitness, and overall wellness in a non-traditional venue. Robin founded Exodus Women's Fitness Retreats, Fitness for Your Spirit, Soul, and Body. She's a certified personal trainer, Pilates instructor, and biblical life coach. Robin meets women wherever they are on their spiritual journey. Robin is passionate about helping women discover the adventure of what it means to be in the presence of the one who speaks through us and to us in our spirit, soul, and body. She's married to her abundant soulmate, mom, their adopted daughter, and her dog, mom, and Grammy. When not on her bicycle or adventuring with this, you can find her riding on a bike, Harley, across the country, seeking that next amazing retreat location. Welcome to the show, gals. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good morning, and, and thank you for having us. Oh, loving it, loving it. And I've been loving this whole month, just being able to have these awesome conversations where we're able to share what God has imparted to us to encourage other moms. Well, the scripture for this episode is taken from James 1:27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What a privilege it is to be an adoptive mom. Robin and Jenny, as well as myself, all have adoption stories. And friends, I think one of the hardest things initially was bonding. If you think about it, it is pretty traumatic to be removed from one environment and placed into another that you did not ask for. Robin, let's start with you. Share your adoption story and some things you did and maybe still do to help bond with your daughter. Um, sure, Denise. It's that's a great um, a great question, and I I always say that our our daughter um, she facilitated herself right out of her current foster situation and right into into our laps. I think she chose us. Um, we have a very a very unique story. Uh, she came to a Bible study for junior high girls that I was doing at my home, and she was a guest of one of the girls that was already in the club, which we called it. And that I became to know her and befriend her. And it's just it was like going from being a mentor to a mom overnight, sort of like a zero to one hundred in one second. <laughs> uh, so bonding was was difficult for us in the beginning because trying to switch from those roles of being a mentor and a friend to being her her mother, um, it was just so so foreign. And our life together was foreign. My, I grew up with a mom that was everything to me in a, in a stable life. And everything was just the opposite for her. 
So I found, I found myself um, putting myself in her shoes, uh, which was, was again, just so, so different and so difficult um, because I had not ever experienced anything like she had experienced. And there was a time when talking became difficult for us where she sort of just clammed, clammed up and, and bonding became, became very hard um, during those times. And so we wrote letters to each other to, to communicate. And what I found was just loving her unconditionally was, was what worked for her. She had been so unloved for so long and love is, is God's love language and it, it conquers everything. But I also found that I needed to have bonding with, with boundaries to protect my heart and, and to protect her heart and to know for her to know that she was safe and secure, but, but still accountable during that, during that initial bonding time. Wow, I love that. Bonding with boundaries. I think a lot of times we can think boundaries keep out, but they also keep in. They mm-hmm. protect. And and I like how you said, um, you know, you didn't expect it to be as difficult or different as it was. But I I would think as much as, as being an adoptive mom and also as a biological mom, a stepmom, mom, I've experienced them all, I'm telling you. But in that, I've realized that every single mom, it doesn't look like what we thought it would look like. And so if you're listening today and you didn't adopt, you still probably experience some of these same things. It is hard to bond with our kids. But I think that there is an added barrier when you adopt. And so I really appreciate how you just shared how you had to navigate through that. Um, Jenny, how about you? You adopted more than one kiddo, right? Can you share on that and how you bonded with each one? Yeah, so I have a different experience than both of you because both of my uh, children were adopted when they were infants. Um, but even still, like the bonding stuff is something that, you know, I'm, I'm constantly working on with my two adopted girls, but also with my biological son too. So it's uh, definitely something that um, resonates across parenting in all, the, in all the roles that you can have as a mom. Um, but my, my, my oldest daughter, Carol, who is nine and a half now was born in Mississippi and she was adopted through a private agency. And, you know, we had a really unusual adoption experience because it went so fast. We were like in May praying about like, should we adopt? And then she was born on September 6th and we found ourselves on an airplane headed towards Atlanta and a rental car to drive us across a few States and uh, get to uh, Mississippi where she was waiting for us in the hospital. And we had this magnificent baby bubble for about two weeks where it was just me and my husband and her. And we were traveling around a little bit and enjoying the South, but, you know, just, spending a lot of time holding her and cuddling her and talking to her and singing to her and brought her home and, you know, got super exhausted because then everyone wanted to meet her, of course. Um, But as we've, as she's gotten older, we really had to address some things because she is black and we are white 
And that started, you know, she started really noticing that around the time she was three and four and then started having a lot of questions. And, you know, we actually have never met or seen pictures of her, um, of her biological family, except for her biological brother, who we actually found through Ancestry DNA and has been such an amazing blessing. But uh, we've really had to work through some of those kinds of things and just, you know, showing up over and over and over again. I like that, you know, bonding with boundaries. It's, it's really, uh, you know, important to establish those things. I mean, with your, you know, biological kids too, but, um, and so then my daughter, Ella, who, um, is five and a half now, the girls actually have their birthdays a day apart, which is super fun when it's time to plan their party and they each want their own. And I'm like, no, you can't, you can never have your own party. I'm sorry. Um, you invite all the same people like two days in a row. That would be crazy. But, um, at any rate, um, Ella came at three and a half months and we adopted her through foster care because my cousin had some of her biological siblings in her home. One of them was adopted. So we actually kind of had to fight for her a little bit because um, she was already placed, but she had been bumped around a whole bunch. And we just kept thinking like, she needs to be able to connect with all of her siblings. Um, and that's just going to be an important thing for her. So we kept, we kept at it and they placed her with us on Christmas Eve Eve. And she was really hard at the beginning because she had spent, you know, three and a half months where she should have been waking up every time she opened her eyes. She was in the same crib, the same house, the same person comes to her when she cries. And there were eight different times when she fell asleep and woke up and the house was different. The people were different. Everything was different. And so she got to our house at three and a half months and people go, oh, well, she's still a baby. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. She <laughs> was like, okay, you sticking around or not, you know? And so we just held her a lot and it was mostly me. I had to kind of train her to be worn because she didn't even really want that closeness. But I thought, oh gosh, this is so important. I'm just going to do it anyway and we'll try it for a month. And if you still hate it, well, we'll try something else. But she is particularly well adjusted now. And we, we talk a lot still, even now at, you know, age five about what we know, where she came from. She's constantly asking me what her birth name was because it's different than her name now. And um, she's always asking me about her ancestry DNA results too. She's like, what, where, where am I from again? And I'm like, well, you're from, you know, Yakima, where we live, but your ancestry is, and I name all the places and she's like, oh yeah. So it's a really interesting thing with her. And, and as I mentioned, both of my kids have biological siblings that live in other people's homes. And so we are constantly spending time at my cousin's house. She actually now has five of my daughter's sisters. And so she is, we're constantly going over there. It doesn't hurt that um, my cousin's son and another one of her daughters are Carol, Carol's best friend and my son Mitchell's best friends. And so they really, um, we enjoy spending a lot of time over there and Ella stays connected to her, her one, her one uh, full biological sister and then the others as well. And it's just amazing. 
And uh, Carol's brother lives in California. And so we're Zooming with them and FaceTiming. And we have a, she has a race on Saturday. We're going to Zoom him in to watch her run and all kinds of things. So um, we have this other kind of, another kind of bonding thing we're doing is also we're, con- we're staying connected to them, but we're also helping them continue to bond with the biological siblings that we've identified. I love how uh, intentional you are, you know, just hearing all, all the different measures you took to make her feel comfortable makes me think about how God, when he adopts us and he brings us into the fold, how he is very attentive, very caring. Mm-hmm. And that's just such a beautiful example there. Uh, for me, my son, um, who his birth name was Aterichik Nikayenko Romanovich. <laughs> I had to say that. (laughs) We decided to call him Sam. (laughs) That was a little easier. Uh, And it's from the biblical name Shemuel, which means God has heard. And he was two when we adopted him from Russia. And God had spoken to my heart a couple years prior that I had a son who had been born. And so it was an amazing process, a very hard process. I'm just going to be real. Uh, when you know, all the paperwork, I mean, there was just a lot of stress mm-hmm. with it. And I think part of it was self-induced. I just wanted to get him as quick as I could. Because when we visited him and it was apparent that he had bruises all over his body, mm-hmm. that I wanted to get him yesterday. Okay. I, I didn't want him there one more day. And so I just felt this intensity that I had to get to him. And, you know, thinking in that verse here at the beginning of this episode, God placed it on my heart to help one. The funny thing is, as hard as it is sometimes, we're the ones helped. You know, we're the ones that God transforms and changes as we are used to parent these precious kids. So we want to share some tips to encourage you in your role as an adoptive mom. And I'll say this is for all moms, too, because the struggle to connect is not just for adoptive moms, especially with social media and things like that today. So we have some tips to help you bond with your child. Number one, don't expect them to fully embrace your culture. Now, this is especially applicable when I think of adopting, but, you know, I have a culture in my home that my fourth daughter recently told me was a little tricky for her because it's a very conservative culture. And at times, my kids would be mocked because we didn't watch some of the movies other people did. And so I told my kids when they were real little, I said, listen, I have convictions and I have an accountability to God for how I'm going to raise you. But I want you to know this. You're going to have to have your own convictions. You're going to have to know before God how you're going to live this life. And I told them when they were real little about that. So I knew, as for me and my house, this is how we're going to conduct it. But I always wanted them to know they had to think for themselves. And so that's how it relates to biological children. For an adoptive child, I found that You know, initially, uh, when we first adopted Samuel, he concealed his culture from us at first. I would walk in the room and he'd be pumping his fist and like, no guttural, you know, shouts. And I was like, what is that? How's this two-year-old have a deep voice like that? And I'd walk in my camera and he would just totally stop. And, you know, when we first adopted him, he didn't like the food. He threw the food. And so it took time 
for him to get used to my culture. But there's some things that he had to get used to, right? Like I'm not going to make a separate meal every day, you know, just deal with it. But there's other things that we can be sensitive to. And Psalm 68.6 gave me courage in this endeavor. God in his sovereignty placed my son in our family. We belong to him and he belonged to us. And it says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Boy, I loved uh, listening to to all of your stories, especially about um, about bringing their their culture into your home. But I think another great thing to think about is is um, don't don't force attachments with 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 our situation. It was it was so different because Alana, when she came into our home, she was adopted at the age of fourteen and had been in foster care since she was six but her biological mom was in prison all this time so that was always sort of what is what is that phrase like the skeleton living in the closet or the elephant in the room it was always it was always there because we all knew that that her mom was in prison we all knew why her mom was in prison and and that wasn't a good thing but but yet I still wanted to honor her desire to, to get to know her biological mom and, and her mom's life. I didn't want to keep anything a, a secret from her. So we actually lived that, that journey together. It, it became her choice and, and her way. And, and I promised myself and promised God that I would never speak a negative word over my daughter concerning her biological mom. Uh, I always tried to encourage truth with her, and I encouraged her to seek the truth about her biological mom. I, I think a lot of times in our situation, foster kids are are not always told the truth of their situation. And oftentimes that happens in a situation when the child is 18 and aging out of foster care. Our daughter's situation before she came to live with us was very in a very secretive home where everything was hidden from her. And I just, I didn't want that to happen to her. So her her records were an open book, um, never kept in a locked cabinet. And the other thing was, is that there was no no judgment and, and no condemnation for her or for her biological mom and the things that, that she had done. I just always, you know, would encourage that in a, in a loving way, but it became her, her decision. And the key, I think, with all of that was respect. And respect became the restoration with God's guidance and grace. We couldn't, couldn't have done it without, without that component. Wow. You know, I love that you countered because really what was hiding there was shame, you know, shame over background and you countered it with respect. That's such a biblical way of doing it, honoring, um, honoring her background. You know, let's, I think sometimes when things remain hidden, that's what evokes that shame. Like, oh, we can't talk about that. And like, let's talk about it. You know, let's be real about it because we all have our stuff, if you will. 
Um, and I think sometimes that's where adopted children can feel so isolated because they're different, but we're all different in some way. There's something we've had to battle that we'd rather not talk about or something we came from or that happened to us. And so uh, that's just beautiful. And, and I think the don't force attachment principle is a challenging one. I'm just going to say for me, I remember rocking my son and I had a sippy cup with a, that had like a nipple to it. So I thought, okay, he never was nursed. Maybe, you know, I can try to imitate some of that for him and just get back what I lost. But you know, it didn't quite work. And I think sometimes as moms, we can feel personally hurt by that. And so uh, Robin, I love how selfless you said, I'm not going to say a negative word over my daughter about this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that past doesn't define. It's something, this is part of how God shaped you and brought you to me. I mean, this isn't something to be ashamed of. And so I just think that's beautiful. Um, Number three, stick to a routine. When you think about it, a child who has had his whole life uprooted need something to help him feel secure or her feel secure. Having a fairly consistent schedule and knowing what to expect help to ease our transition. Though I'll be real with y'all, you know, I can have my schedule up on that fridge, but we had so many different schedule changes because inevitably when you're homeschooling five kids uh, and it doesn't, something doesn't work for somebody, we're just constantly adjusting. And I think it's good to be flexible, but to have things that are expected. And I, I know for my kids and I, when um, I was thrust into a five-year court law, you know, battle and uh, still trying to homeschool, knowing we had that schedule, knowing that mom's still going to homeschool, different things are going to happen, help to ease some of the pain from the um, unstable, you know, instability in the past. So now to be clear, when we try to schedule things, when we try to stick to routine, I think a good thing to do too in that flexibility is asking the kids what works for them, you know, uh, within reason. There's that boundaries word again, because you can't totally please everyone perfectly. But we do want to make the most of our time. And this reminds me of Psalm 9012, which is a great help during the difficult seasons when behavioral issues or bonding issues loom large. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Every day is a gift. And you know what? Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Kids are screaming. Kids are having issues. It won't be easy. And we're not promised that it will be easy. But sometimes it feels like we will never get to where we're going. But every day there's progress. And I'm thankful for that. So as we lean heavily on God's word, that was a huge way that helped me to also stick to a return, a routine, sorry. And it was an anchor for us. Wow, that is so good. I struggle with that so much. And, um, but I always appreciate it when I can get myself back on track again, for sure. And the kids definitely thrive mm-hmm. on that, for sure. Oh, my word. So that brings us to number four. Um, don't compare with other kids. This one is a challenge for me. I will say my 16-year-old son, Mitchell, is like, so just, you know, like book smart. And he's, um, he thrives in a traditional school setting. He doesn't, you know, particularly love indulging in things like slime and uh, mud baths and stuff like that. Like he was, he would cry when his hands were dirty when he was little. (laughs) 
And, um, and I kind of liked that because I didn't really enjoy all that stuff. But my girls are so different and they're so into all that kind of stuff. And they do not thrive in a traditional classroom setting. And they just struggle be, staying seated and being quiet and oh my word. So I have found a lot of encouragement from James 117 and I'll read it in the ESV. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And, you know, each child has their own gifts from the Lord. And we should be celebrating their differences and not using it as a way to shame or, like, downplay where other kids shine. We need to acknowledge where our kids shine and bring that to the forefront for them. And help them to see where God has gifted them so that uh, they can see where their strengths are and not worry about where weaknesses are, but just realize that, you know, there's something to be worked on, not something to be ashamed of. Love that. Celebrating. You know, I think uh, the reason there's comparison is that is a lot in our society, but people look for their identity in their accomplishments and, and kids look to say, Oh, well, I should be doing this. And, and, and a couple of my kids had some learning disabilities growing up and I never told them. And the reason why was because I, I thought we're going to out overcome this, you know, uh, it's just going to take some time. And we did, but there, the reality is there's still some elements of that. And one of my kids recently, one of my adult kids said, you know, I realize I, spent so much time in comparison and I believed, accepted this identity of I'm less than other people because school was harder for me. And that just broke my heart. I'm like, no, because I purposely tried to not have that in the home. But, you know, it, it's a natural thing that can happen, but we overcome that by what you just so beautifully said, Jenny, just celebrating their differences not saying everyone has to be have the same talent or ability. In fact, it's that we don't, that it makes it so beautiful. Number five, check your expectations. This is an important one. Our expectations can lead to discouragement, especially if we're not okay when things don't go as expected. We had a lot of behavioral issues that lasted for a long time. It took a lot of perseverance and love. If you hear me saying a lot of, <laughs> it was hard but we have finally come through a lot of that. You know, we didn't change the standard of behavior. This is still the expectation in our home. No, we're not going to steal. No, we're not going to lie. You know, different behavioral things. But I had to not take it personally when there were strongholds of behavior. Like, I'd be like, oh, man, do we have to really talk about this again? And I'd pull out scriptures and we'd look at, you know, and I had to realize, okay, he's coming from brokenness. You know, what are my expectations here? I keep pointing him to righteousness, keep pointing him to Christ, our standard, just like he's my standard, but don't take it personally. So Galatians 6, 9 was an encouragement to me. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I can say that this is true. So no matter what it looked like, God was just calling me to be faithful, not perfect, and the same is for you who are listening today, faithful and consistent to lay down my expectations of perfect behavior, because that could be an idol, because his heart mattered more. 
Wow, that was good, Denise. I love that um, to not become weary in doing good because that's the whole, you know, the joy of why we have our children, whether they're adopted or or biological. But it's all about not becoming weary in the journey, um, <clears throat> which brings me to number six is to do something special that's unique to that to that child. And oh my gosh, um, everything that I needed to be was unique with my kid <laughs> and thank goodness I'm a creative person but I learned so much about about grace from this kid in in the beginning she was so so traumatized that she couldn't sleep at night so I literally would stay up all night with her um many nights just to listen or to lay in silence. Sometimes she just needed to be held and and not speaking. And this sort of became a language that that we spoke but but didn't speak. And it was just it was just so beautiful. And it reminded me of of my personal scripture, which is Psalm 4610 that says to be still and know that I'm God and in the stillness of that presence of God, it, it would calm the storms within her. And it also gave her or me as well, but strength for those, you know, long, long heartbreaking nights. Um, it just, it just became this, this thing that we did. And, and it reminded me of, of how my mom, when I couldn't sleep, when I was a teenager going through all the stuff that, that Alana was going through hormonally at the age of 14 and 15, um, that these moments actually became legacy building moments for us. As, as I would share with her, the, how my mom would stay up till all hours of the night with me. And it just was something that, that was so familiar that I could that I could give to her becoming an instant mom. I just I was so lost in in how to create those those unique and special times for this kid, but they just sort of happened organically. Um, I think that's the best way to say it. And and there is no manual to being a parent and creating those moments. But I was able to draw from all the special things that my mom did for me. And I thought, you know what? I can give this to her. I can give this to this kid. I know this with all my heart. And all she did was need to just lay there in silence and receive and, and receive the goodness of God. Wow. You know, um, when we think about how God is so specific with us, you know, and I just love that you were so intentional with your daughter on that. And I think every kid just wants to know that they're special in some way. And one thing I did with my kids is I would go on dates and I would try to do things that were just me knitting my heart with them just in one special area. You know, because my kids all had this joke, you know, mom, we know we're the favorite. You know, I'm the favorite. <laughs> and I'd say, you're all my favorite, you know, but trying to find what was it that we could do that was special, um, just just about them. Um, and now I'm in a unique place of four adults. And I'm like, how do I continue that? How How do I, you know, still connect, you know, individually with each one? And 
And, you know, I think it's a good thing to just always be challenged to do that. You know, um, yes, I think each kid that that really helps them to know their identity. Um, and like you were talking about, Robin, the goodness of God pointing them to that. Well, number seven is accept them as they are. Now, this can be hard sometimes. We can have a tendency to think that our way is the way, but Christ is the plumb line. And he welcomed sinners, which is all of us. It'll be hard to accept our children when they are being rebellious. And to be clear, we don't accept rebellion, right? But we must have the standard of righteousness in our homes with humility, truth, and grace. And when our children fall short, it's an opportunity for the gospel. So I think part of this acceptance is realizing God accepted me and not taking their rebellion as something that I make all about me. Again, that, uh, that's been a theme, as you've seen in a couple of these, is not taking it personally. But this acceptance is radical because it's, let me deal with this sin here, but let me never remove my love from you. Let me help you know that you are accepted fully. When you make things difficult, it creates a mess. We'll be real about that, but we accept you. And Romans 15 verses 5 through 7 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Mm. That's so good. I love that. Um, I think that we all just cling for um, acceptance from other people. And I think we, we seek this from the Lord <laughs> and uh, we want this from our own parents or people that um, are mentors to us, our, um, you know, people kind of ahead of us in the journey. Um, and I know our kids really want that from us too. And uh, that leads us into number eight, of intentionally spending time with them one-on-one, which is a little similar to what we just spoke about. But I think that, you know, if we're intentional like Jesus was intentional, I just um, listened to an interview with Dallas Jenkins, who is the director of the Chosen series that I absolutely love. And he was talking about the intentionality of Jesus And how, you know, he did some of these big corporate miracles, like feeding thousands of people at once and things like that. But for the most part, he was just interacting one-on-one with people. And that was most of the miracles that he accomplished. And probably a lot of the things that aren't even specifically stated in the Bible that he was doing all this time as he was meeting with, with people were coming around him and meeting with him. So... Um, the scripture that really encouraged me with this, um, from the ESV again is, uh, first Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. And I feel like that is a great encouragement for us to be, uh, getting our cup filled from the Lord so that we can then be pouring ourselves into our kids and the best way to do that is spending one-on-one time with them. And we also, we do dates. I actually have had dates with all three of my kids within the last few weeks. And um, 
they're so fun and they're so great. And it's really amazing when I can just really tap into something that they, that they really love. And without the presence of a bunch of other people around, they're so much more talkative. They're so much more, they just really enjoy the time and they, they enjoy the, the, the lavishing of attention. And, you know, I, I know that I appreciate that so much from my time with the Lord and we can give our kids a great example of that in how we relate to them and that we can be also using that time to draw them and their hearts towards the Lord as well so that they take on their own faith and are not just kind of borrowing ours. They're initiating um, their own relationship. And I think this like one-on-one time is one of the best ways to demonstrate that as well as um, point them in the right direction. And, yeah. And it's really like quality time. But I, one thing I was thinking about when you were talking about that is a challenge for me in this regard is other people feel left out, you know, <laughs> when you're going to go spin it with the other one, including my precious husband, you know, and, and it's like, well, wait, I'll go with you too. And I'm like, that's good too. And we should do that too. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I still struggle with how do you do it? I think it's just establishing a culture of that. And, you know, when they were younger, uh, that was easier to do. Now that they're adults, it's a little more complicated. Um, and so, you know, being okay to say, hey, uh, this is where I'm going to go spend time with just this person. And then this is where I'm going to do it with you. And, you know, making sure everyone feels that value. Um, number nine, encourage them to just be themselves, not fitting in, which is super hard because the culture around them is saying everyone be clones, right? And it can be hard to be different, but in reality, we are all different. There's pain there though for our children. And if we're honest for us, when we're considered to be different, so encourage your children to be uniquely them and to rise above the noise of others who put them down for their appearance or their abilities. I think there's a lot of, even one of my kids now still working through some social anxiety because other people have minimized and shunned. And it's it's so painful. And to just say, you've got to find a new tribe. You know, we got to pray about finding a new tribe and you just being beautiful you. One thing I shared a lot with my kids growing up was bad company corrupts good character. But while I wanted them to avoid bad company, I also told them to not be the bad company. And it wasn't enough to just avoid evil. They need to be a light. And the only way we do that is by being in God's word. And I know that sounds like such the Sunday school answer, but it has to be a part of our lives. Otherwise, it's one of those things that it becomes a good work. I'll be a good person. But when we're in God's word, the Holy Spirit fills us in such a powerful way that we're able to be that light so much more than just that person's a good person. And this transforms us and changes us to be more like Jesus. As it says in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Boy, I love that that scripture it's it's one of my one of my favorites and um it's so challenging not to be um conforming to this to this world and to me the renewal of your mind is just a 
an everyday occurrence, <laughs> like, like multiple, multiple times a day is to keep my mind focused on, on above and the word of God. And it, it brings us to number 10, which is, which is to share adoption openly. Um, and, and I remember like when I was a kid, nobody, nobody talked about adoption. There was, there was like this weird stigma, um, especially for the adopted child. But even as a family, like you didn't, you didn't want anybody to know that that wasn't your biological child. And I think, my goodness, how things have, have changed because adoption now, most people, I, I think about my, my nephew Cody and, and his wife Shelby, they just um, adopted a baby and everything is open where they get to to be with the biological family and biological siblings. And, and our family was the same way when we adopted Alana. Um, it was, it was just great. It was a, a family affair. So everybody was in, involved in it. And since she was older and aware of every aspect and every decision there, there were no secrets for her. So everything was, you know, definitely out, out in the, out in the open. The day that we went to the courthouse for the adoption, it was just, oh gosh, it was such a, a beautiful experience. I can picture it like it was yesterday and so honoring to the, to the whole thing of, of wanting a child and choosing that child. And there was no, um, no crazy decisions to be made. It was just like we loved her and love her like our own. And we just, we had this big party afterwards where all our friends and family were there and we openly share our story of adoption with others. And part of it is, is kind of, kind of fun and became, came a little bit of a joke because I'm 5'10 and Alana is barely 5'10. Five feet tall, and people look at us and kind of go, "Well, you know, you guys don't don't really look alike." And we're like, "No, my kid popped out at fourteen. You know, it's just this is how she is." And um, but our lives together became one, and and as time passed, she became kind of a, a, a mini me, and and I mean that completely, like spirit, soul, and body. I I just saw her. In, embrace like all the things that that my mom had had given me and that time to me is is when we truly became mother and daughter and it reminds me um her scripture her adoption scripture was jeremiah 29 11 and i know that's really famous but you know god god has plans for for us, for her, for, for everyone and, and plans to prosper her and not, not to harm her. It became her life verse. And, and to me, God literally transformed the, the broken into the beautiful. It was just like seeing God at work and being in his presence, witnessing, um, witnessing that adoption and how that just changed it changed her life she finally knew that she was loved and loved by by us but more importantly loved by by god and that became our story and and i can't wait we're going to write a, a book together and and to share that adoption story and i'm just it just makes me so proud of her 
and so proud of the just the whole thing of of adoption and we get to help a child but in the long run I think somebody mentioned it earlier is that that we I think as parents are are so blessed by by them and I have never ever learned more about grace from anyone except my daughter she taught me she taught me how to love unconditionally and to not have judgment and not have condemnation. And none of that would be possible without God being at the head of our household and the head of that whole, that whole family affair. Wow. I love that. And I love that she has a verse that was from her adoption that she has carried forward. Yeah. And that's what God does. You know, adoption is really about redemption. Mm-hmm. And we all have experienced that. We've been redeemed and we yeah. belong. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful testimony. Thank you both for being on here today with me. Yeah, our pleasure. My pleasure. Oh, yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, friends listening, Psalm 2710 says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. I know a lot of my, even into my adulthood, uh, rejection was something I felt for most of my life. And this world rejects God's children. But as parents, we have the opportunity to help our children to know God. That's where the healing comes from. It's the greatest calling we have to help them to stand in their faith. Families need the church to surround and encourage them. And adoption is a gift from God. What a treasure to be entrusted with the care of one of God's precious children. So mom, we moms, we hope that you've been encouraged this month. Persevere in your relationship. God will enable you to bond with your children. And I want to say, just as wrapping up, this month our, our team was able to publish a book together. So if you're looking for a bonding opportunity with your child, you can find it on Amazon, Mommy and Me, Cooking with Jesus. And there's devotions in there. And it's just an opportunity to have fun and get in the kitchen. And I still cook with my 27-year-old daughter. So it's just a lot of fun. So tune in next month as we get some fatherly advice in celebration of Father's Day. You've been listening to the Sing Deep podcast where we dive into the Word of God for the answers to life's problems.